everyone welcome to the grabs podcast my name is grant uh if you're listening you probably know what we do uh today i've got with me brewer widener and he's a firefighter for decatur fire rescue in alabama and we're going to be talking about a grab that was made on june 21st of 2022 uh the goal here is real simple to have a uh, organic conversation find out a little bit how they do business and uh, let him walk us through what happened on that call, and hopefully we can learn a few things. So, uh, Brewer, I appreciate you uh, being patient to finally get this thing recorded, uh, and thanks for being on tonight. Uh, you doing good? Yeah, man, good. I'm I'm glad we could finally link up and get this recorded. I know we've been trying to, to get it done since it happened. Busy schedules, just glad to be here. Yeah, it's not like we're getting paid for this or anything, so uh, it, it's exactly. all um, So, tell us a little bit about your department. Uh, so we're a, uh, a medium sized department. We run eight stations, uh, population of around 60,000. We respond to around 10,000 calls a year. Um, ALS non-transport department. Uh, I would say we probably have around 70 to a hundred working fires a year. Uh, so we, we catch a little work. We're not burning neighborhoods down every day, uh, but we catch a decent amount of work. Yeah, I'd say so. That's pretty good. What are you guys getting on your uh, first alarm assignment for a residential fire? Uh, first alarm assignment, you'll get a battalion, three engines, and a truck, uh, which are trucks. They're considered quints. Uh, but our, our battalion chief will try to sign them truck work, search, ventilation, overhaul. Uh, but they can act as an engine if, if needed to be. And then how do you guys run your fires? You got like uh, pre-incident arrival assignments. Is it IC driven or how's that go? We typically first in engines, uh, fire attack, second in will be primary search. Uh, I mean, we kind of have the the option to, to do is what is what what we need to do upon arrival. Uh, we, we have pretty flexible uh, fire ground SOGs that, you know, situation can dictate changes. Uh, so we don't really have a hard, fast rule. Uh, our, my battalion chief is good at getting on scene uh, early, you know, behind that first or second in engine. Uh, sometimes it's not the first in the engine um, and given assignments as soon as he gets there. So uh, we're fortunate enough to have him that, you know, there, there really is no guess and he can take the guesswork out of that and, you know, give those assignments. Uh, we've gotten big on booster backup. Uh, we don't catch many hydrants anymore. Uh, so that second in engine usually is coming in, giving that tank water to the first while their crew is getting off and doing that primary search. Yeah. It's an awesome way to speed up truck work for sure. Uh, what, what's the time delay on units arriving on scene for you guys? Uh, we're, we're pretty close. Uh, my station, I've got, I've got a, a truck less than a mile the way the crow flies. Uh, the next end engine is probably about two miles, uh, down the street. Um, and I'm, I'm surrounded by my station i'm surrounded by both trucks and two engines um so i mean uh, that fire that we're talking about here uh we had 16 people on scene in under two minutes yeah it's outstanding um before we jump into the incident talk to us a little bit about your guys' search culture uh what's it like what kind of uh, you know are you guys doing split search oriented search ves all the above what's that culture like for you guys so on the search culture, I would say we, we typically uh, do oriented searches. Um, 
split search if necessary on my, you know, and I'm mainly speaking for my crew. Um, you know, we're comfortable with split search VS. We actually, uh, just made a VS ladder to put on our engine uh, a couple of months back. Uh, we actually had it on that fire uh, and could have used it. Uh, just, you know, we didn't, it was so new to us. It still wasn't in our tool, you know, in our memory to go get it off the truck, but you know, it had high windows. It was a single story, uh, resident but the windows you know were four foot off the ground so it was kind of hard when we got that victim out through the windows for the ex-year guys to take over that that victim which if we'd have had our vs ladder been perfect so uh, I, I would say we have a pretty strong culture we're we're known around our area for aggressive fire department aggressive fire attack um but i would say mainly our search culture is oriented and you guys are assuming that the building's occupied unless uh, unless you guys cleared. Is that kind of kind of how you guys roll? Try. That's good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's let take us to June twenty first of this year, and then uh, kind of set up this call for us, but also set up the building construction that you responded to, so guys get a good mental picture. Okay, uh, the call came in. Uh, we were dispatched uh, about fifteen minutes after eight eight p.m. Uh, we'd just sit down the, in the bay. We'd finish supper. Uh, typically, when we sit out in the engine bay, I take our MDT off the truck so that I can see calls building before they're dispatched. We keep it pulled up on our TV. We don't watch TV on my shift, my station. We keep the cat, mobile CAD pulled up on our, in our day room all day. So we can get a head start on calls, you know, because as soon as they, the call comes into 911, and they start building that call, you can see it in the pending box. So typically, anytime we sit out in the engine bay away from the day room, I have our MDT off the truck with us. That night, I didn't. We had just got out in the engine bay, lit up a cigar after supper. Uh, that's kind of one of our rituals at, at, at my house is after supper, you know, especially when the weather's nice, we'll sit out in the engine bay and, and uh, toke on a stogie there for a little bit before bed. Uh, but the first thing engine, the first due territory of this call, that engine was out on another run. So it was actually our second due um, coverage there on the, on the call. Um, call comes out, you know, we're sitting right by the truck. So, you know, we get on the truck. We know we're going to be first in because I know that engine's out on that other call. They were on a med run. Um, and it comes out on the initial uh, dispatch as victim trap, you know, houses on fire, victim trap. So we're already thinking, you know, that we're, we're going to get there and we're going to have work. Uh, the, the address they gave is actually, uh, they, they said a Kalia apartments, which is an apartment complex. It's a two story co uh, apartment complex. So that's what we thought we were going to. Uh, we get turned down the street. Uh, and I can see the fires on the right side of the road from where we were coming in. If it was Kalia Apartments, they should have been on the left side of the road. So um, I'm already a little confused there, you know, because that's what they told us. It was Kalia Apartments. Uh, so we get there. Uh, PD officer, this is a narrow street. Basically, it could be a one-way street. A fire truck takes up the entire street. Uh, we have a PD officer sitting in front of the house blocking, you know, for – for us to have a good setup on our engine, he is blocked. We can't get around him. So we had to stop short of the house. Um, and actually, you know, we, the, our, my driver, we, we 
we try to angle the truck away from the structure so that we can get a good stretch. You know, that way our hose loads or our cross lays are facing that building. It, you know, it's more in line with the stretch versus, you know, just parking straight in the street and stretching out and then having that hard bend when you're stretching towards the front door if you stop short or pulled past. So we weren't able to get a really good position on, positioning on our truck. Um, our My backseat guys, we had four that day. We were at a minimum of three. Uh, we were fully staffed across the board, all except for one engine on that uh, on that response at three. Everybody else across the board had full staff and a four. Uh, so we get there, and we get so close to this patrol car that both of my guys have to come out on the opposite side of the fire to get out of the truck because they can't open the door. I can barely get out uh, again because he's just he's sitting in the middle of the street. We get there. It's a single story uh, wood frame brick veneer structure. It looks like about a 1200 square foot house. We got fire showing out of the front door, rolling out of the front porch and fire showing out of two bedroom windows. Uh, if you're looking at the front side of the house to the left of the porch, stretch an inch and three quarter uh, to the front door. <clears throat> they that we have water, we have water on the fire in less than a minute. Like I say, we arrived there um, at 2018, and the next end engine was there at. Um, they were 20 seconds behind us, so we stretched the line, you know, because the fire was blocking off the front door. We we had pretty well, you know, knocked the fire down to even make it into the house. Fire blowing out both of the windows. Uh, when we got there, there was a. Uh, bystander out in the front yard and he's pointing he pointed at those windows and said that's where he's at that where the fire was coming out so knew that's where he was going i could you know kind of tell the layout of this house i was expecting to get the fire knocked down was going in the front door and making immediate left and you know i, I was expecting this to open up into uh to me what would appear like a ranch style house a, a day room or something so we get in there, the uh, second end engine pulls another uh, inch and three quarter. They're knocking fire down. And when we get in there, as soon as I make a left, I hit a wall. So I'm, I'm disoriented at this point. I've got my two firemen are uh, on fire attack. I go in ahead of them to try to start a primary search. Um, go forward probably about four or five feet, and I hit another wall. And I'm like, man, what what is going on here? And I felt like I was in a box. Um, so after the fire, we realized, uh, this house again, probably 1200 square foot house had been turned into a three apartment complex, a little duplex. It had three different apartments in it. Uh, so when you entered the front door, you're in a small foyer. Uh, it was probably six foot deep and then probably six foot, uh, side to side and you and that when you walked in there was a narrow hallway that went back to two more doors uh for an apartment at the very back of this house an apartment to the left or on the right side of the house um so again i'm trying to figure out where i'm at because again looking at the construction of the house upon arrival from the exterior it looks like it should just be a ranch style house go in it's going to be an open floor plan to the left those those left side windows should have been a day room for a typical house. So I get back in that back hallway and I think, and there was a very solid door. It was a solid wood door uh, that I ran into and I couldn't get it open. I had a Halligan. I messed with it for a little bit. 
Uh, but I didn't spend a whole lot of time because I thought I was at the back of the house. I thought that was the back door of the house. So when I came back up, they were still knocking fire down. Uh, some smoke had lifted a little bit, and I could see the door to that apartment. So I got went in that door. Um, at this point, I realized that the house is very cut up. Uh, got in that door there. It was hoarder conditions. There was air compressors in there. Uh, again, we're talking about now maybe a 300-square-foot room. Uh, taking this, you know, how 1200 square foot house and it's been divided up in threes uh, minus that four years. So maybe now we're probably in a 300 square foot room and it's got beds in there. It's got dressers, there's air compressors, there's garbage piled up all over the floor. Um, just it's nasty. Make it in there. I had a box lot with me um, shining it. Uh, and I can see and straight through um if you were on the street side looking in the windows that had fire coming out, uh, the kitchen was straight through. Uh, There's a little kitchen there, and that's where he was, was in the doorway of the kitchen. Uh, seen him with a box light before I felt him. Um, got on the radio, told him we had a victim. So we arrived at 2018. Uh, we found the victim at 2022. So less than four minutes, right at four minutes uh, from when the parking brake was set, till we put hands on him was right at four minutes. A uh, guy from Tower 4, uh, one of their backstep guys from Tower 4, uh, come over there. Uh, we had had, um, if you remember back uh, the first end of the job, uh, uh, Captain Daly from uh, Kansas City Rescue 9 showed the, uh, the drag strap in the coat. I had that set up in mine. He had that set up in his. Unfortunately, uh, mine had sucked into my jacket, so I couldn't, I couldn't use mine. I didn't spend a whole lot of time digging for it in my sleeve. I could have took my glove off probably and got him, uh, but it was hot in there. Uh, it was a, a good bit of fire load. Uh, my ears were already burning through my hood, so I, I didn't take the time to take my glove off. He had his. He wrapped the feet. Uh, guy had no clothes on, was slick. He wrapped the feet. Uh, I got on the hands, the head side, grabbed his hands. We had a little trouble uh, getting him to that window. We went, we took him out the window from where when we arrived, the fire was coming out of uh, just to, to the left of the front porch. Uh, one of my other backstep guys had heard on the radio that we had a victim. He came in there and was trying to clear us a path so that we could walk out. Uh, I was walking backwards, so. I had a hard time walking through all that stuff, trying to make it back to those windows. So we kept stumbling. And then every time I would stumble, I would lose his hands. So finally got him out to that window. Uh, everybody, there was probably four or five guys at the window waiting for us to get him out. Uh, passed him out through the window there. Not a whole lot of trouble. Again, there was a bunch of stuff in the way, dressers and stuff. There's an air compressor in there. Um, so we got him out, uh, and from the time that we had got on the radio and said that we had a victim to the time he got out of the structure was right at two minutes. So pretty, pretty good, uh, time from response times from the hand, you know, from the time we put hands on him to the time we got out, um, especially with the conditions that we were in, just trampling through all that garbage. Nice. How big was this victim? Uh, I, I was, he was a. I would say he was probably about 165, uh, 160, somewhere around there. Wasn't a real big guy. And then uh, what made you guys decide to go window over coming the way you came in? Because it was a straight shot. We could, I could turn around. When I turned around by this, you know, smoke had done lifted. They'd got fire knocked down. 
I could see straight through the window. I mean, we were probably 15 foot from the window. I knew that was a straight shot. So we made the call, hey, we're going out this window. And the guys outside could see us in there. When I hollered that we have a victim, they could see me. They could see the victim in there too when I had the box slide on him. So they, you know, they knew that that was going to be our better option too, coming out that window. Had that window already failed or, or how'd they, how that window yeah. goes? Yeah, it was the fire was already coming out of it when we arrived. Nice. What, how'd you guys do the lift? Was there any difficulty in, in that window lift or? Uh, it wasn't that bad because we had three guys on the inside there and then we had four guys on the outside that could reach in. So the window lift wasn't that bad. We, uh, the guy with the drag strap from Tower Four still had his legs wrapped. So it was easy for him. Uh, me and my back step guy grabbed each hand and we picked him up um, and, and set him right out the window there. Uh, for you two that didn't have drag straps, was was his skin slippery or were you slipping off him? Or? Very, very difficult to grab. That's 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 and cool that you guys took that from the uh, from the conference and then, you know, yeah. it, it actually worked. Sometimes you, you hear all these gimmicky things you're like, man, I don't know if that's going to really work, um, but that, that's awesome. So so my have trouble with mine and I talked to Chad this year at the conference if when I'm putting my coat on and off the truck multiple times, that strap will tend to get sucked up in the jacket. And I had just, I hadn't paid attention when I hung my gear back on the truck, outside the truck when we got back from wherever we'd went before that. And I didn't make look and make sure my strap was out. So from that day, from that call forward, every time I get back to the station, it don't matter if it's the 12th run of the day, I check and make sure that strap's hanging out. So when I put it on, it'll be there. Um, but, you know, that was just uh, – a lapse on my on my part there that you know I didn't check before I set my gear back up when we got back to the house um, that that strap would be hanging out and it and it you know it would have, it would have helped tremendously because like I say his skin was just sloughing off couldn't grip him he was very very slippery uh, for those that don't know what we're talking about I'll try to include a link in the show notes to to this KC rescue strap uh, something that they're doing to to help with the drags uh, kind of integrating. Uh, almost the DRD around your shoulder and to come out your arm. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So talk to us a little bit about the, uh, you mentioned the high windows of EES ladder might've been more, uh, would have been help, helpful to those guys. Um, can you talk from that outside perspective, what you guys talked about afterwards, or maybe if you run into that again, how they can do things a little easier? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we had kind of talked about, again, that we had just put that, well, I, we had just made that ladder and got it on the truck. I, you know, I would say less, less than two or three weeks before this run. So it's still, it was still new to our memory. It wasn't like we had been training on this for six months and it was just second nature of, Hey, when we get up, when, you know, when we get a call to this type of house, you know, you get the VS ladder and get it to the house. That way, if we need it, it's there. And, and all we did was take a, um, a roof ladder and cut it down to like five and a half foot. I think it's four rungs. You know, it's perfect for like a four foot window. Uh, so, we, you know, we, we've talked about it as a crew since then, like, because there's a lot of houses in my uh, first view that has high, high windows. You know, they're four or five foot off the ground that you will not be able to get in. Or, you know, again, if your crews are on the inside trying to bring somebody out, you're going to be of no help because it's going to be above your head. Uh, so we kind of, you know, talked about that as, you know, one of my, if we pull up and it's got high windows, the back step guy, just grab the ladder, 
And one of us, you know, if we're running a three-man crew, one of us will get it to the house. If not, the driver, you know, can get it to the house for us and throw it to a window at least. It's light. It don't weigh nothing. I bet it only weighs probably 10, 15 pounds. It's super light. Very nice. I know we just added those not too long ago. And uh, they're they're useful for more than just the high window. It seems like we, you know, if you if you remember they're there, they're useful for the rollover. Oh, yeah. There's so many things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, what did this did this run uh, change how you you and your crew work? It sounds like you got a pretty jam up crew and uh, you're you're a good boss that's into the job. What what, what happened after this one? Do you guys talk about or? Uh, you know, we I'm I'm big into working out. I'm big into pushing my guys. Um, you know, I, I think there's a correct a, a direct correlation between what you do in the gym and what you do on the fire scene. Um, if you'll if you'll quit in the gym on a workout, you'll quit on the fire scene. You know, if, if your first reaction in the gym is when you do a, you know, a, a killer ass workout and your first reaction is to take a knee and lay on the ground, that's the same thing you'll do when you come out of a house fire on the scene. That's just, you know, you're conditioning your body, your body to um, those types of behaviors when you get in that, that kind of condition. Uh, and I, and I've got some young guys on my, uh, my back step, my senior back step guy has got a little over three years on our department. Uh, and he, he's my senior guy. So I've got two young guys. Um, and so, I, you know, I try to push them in the gym uh, just for that mental toughness. Like when you, th- when you think you've had all you can take, you know, push yourself a little more. When you've gave it all you can, don't lay on the ground. You know, stand up, go for a half of my walk to cool down. Don't lay in front of the fan. Don't take, you know, if, if you, if you need to take a break, just take one knee, but you know, don't cower down. Uh, and, and that fire looked us. I mean, we were, I mean, we worked maybe five or six minutes. And I mean, it, this was in the middle of June, Alabama has high humidity, high heat. And, you know, it put us down. Uh, that I was spent after that. All of us were, uh, you know, and we kind of talked about when we got back to the house that night, like, you know, this right here is why we train so hard in the gym. This is why we push ourselves in, the, in workouts and, you know, not quitting, you know, not laying in the floor like a coward when you get done working out, you know, standing up and, you know, stand, you know, have your chest poked out, you know, be a man when you get done. Uh, and, you know, I think that kind of drove home to those, you know, two guys there of like, you know, you're right. You, you're not just being a dick when we're working out, you know, and, and pushing us like there is a reason why we're doing this. So, you know, I, I thought that was a real good, you know, kind of a learning moment, moment there for, for those guys of, um, of, of why we do that stuff. It's just not to, you know, look good or whatever. It's, it's for a purpose. That's so cool that you got a, uh, you got the, uh, kind of a not a reward but to get one early when you got a young good crew to, to solidify why you do what you do is a win and uh will probably affect those guys for the rest of their career uh yeah that you don't never know when it's going to happen it might be your first shift might be your first year it might be 15 years down the road but it's coming yeah. and they expect us to to do our thing oh and you know and we talked about that like what, what kind of outcome would we have had, had if, if we were not the kind of guys that push ourselves to, to be the best, you know, physical shape that we can do? Um, what would have been the outcome then? Would, would they end up having to drag us out because, you know, we were overexerted? You know, like, I, I feel like that's a valid question and valid things to think about for anybody in the fire service because 
like I say, I, I, I would consider one of our crews, one of the, you know, top in shape guys that we have in our department. And it, you know, this 160 pound guy, you know, under 10 minutes of work, we, we were spent, you know, I had to, I, there was not a dry stitch on me. And I was to the point when we got out, I had to strip down and go sit in the air conditioning in the truck for five or 10 minutes because, you know, my heart rate just wouldn't come down. It was still 150, 160. Um, So, you know, I, I think that's, that's proof right there. Like it it pays off to, to work hard. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I I got uh, good crews around here do a lot of good workouts and, you know, sometimes we always crave like the half hour, 40 minute workouts, but we need to put those five to 10 minute, super intense, go all, let it hang out for 10 minutes because that's what mimics the fire ground, especially these Mm -hmm. quick, quick things. And if you go back and you start listening to to more of these grads podcasts, I'm sure if people, I think we're in like in the eighties or something, but you go back and listen to these, you know, it's not 20 minutes in it's two, three, four minutes in at six minutes, things over. Uh, So for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, from the time we arrived, it was six minutes when the victim was removed from the time our parking brake hit to the time the victim was out was six minutes. You know, that's, that's a Fran workout, you know, that's. And so our drills should mimic, you know, our training and our drills on the fire ground should mimic something quick, hard. Well, Brewer, I appreciate you sharing the story, uh, taking the time, man. It took us a while to get this nailed down, but that, that was a good one. So uh, thank you. Um, for all those that are listening, if you guys get a grab, assist or um, otherwise, go to Firefighter Rescue Survey and fill out that short survey. That information is for us and by us. Uh, we want to get that accurate information out so we can be trained in the right way um, and, and figure out what's predictable. If you want to share your story, Get a hold of me, Grant Schwalbe, Justin McWilliams, or Nick Ladine, and we'd be happy to record it. it may take a little while, but uh, be patient. We'll get get figured out. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening to Grabs. <laughs>